A mother and father were preparing to send their son off to university. And as a gift, they gave him a Bible. And they said, take this Bible, son, and when you're off to university, read this every day. And so they send him off, and he goes. And then the son starts emailing the parents after a couple of weeks, asking for money. And the parents respond by emailing him back with uh, a Bible verse. Okay, so that's odd. They didn't send him money. So a little while passes, and the son is still desperate for money. He emails his parents again. Please, you know, I could use a, a little bit of spending cash. Could you please send some money? They email him back with another Bible reference, a different Bible reference. And this goes on three, four, five times that the son emails the parents asking for money, and they respond with a reference to the Bible. So still no money comes. So he comes home at Christmas, and he's agitated with his parents. And he's, why didn't you send me money when I needed it? And his parents said, you didn't read the Bible, did you? You didn't look up those scripture verses, did you? And he kind of, no, I didn't. But what's that got to do with it? And they said, well, guess what? All through that Bible we gave you, we tucked $20 bills <laughs> at all these different <laughs> scripture references. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate to this story on a couple of levels. When I went off to university, uh, I can recall asking my mom and dad for money. Please wire me some cash. And I can recall my Bible as well. I, they, my mom did the very thing. She gave me a new Bible to take to university with me. And some of you have heard my testimony. And I, I took that Bible and I went to university and I put it in the drawer in my dorm room and I closed the drawer and I put it away. I didn't read my Bible when I got there. I, 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 I decided to, to let it sit for a while until God got a hold of me in a big way when I was there. Um, many people have Bibles. You may have several copies of the Bible in your home, but that's not saying that many people read their Bibles. There's an old gospel song, I think it's called Dust on the Bible. You ever heard that one? Dust on the Bible. Um, nowadays, many of us have Bible apps on our phones, uh, but just because we've downloaded it doesn't mean we open it. And so here we are at a new year, and a new year is a great time to develop new habits. We call them, it was mentioned this morning, New Year's resolutions. We try to stay away from that terminology because more often than not, our New Year's resolutions are doomed to failure. Studies suggest, I just read this yesterday, that 80% of people will fail at their New Year's resolution by mid-February. And that's from the Association of Psychology of Newfoundland and Labrador. So I don't know if it's different there or not in terms of their resolutions. But anyway, that's what they say. So we're not going to call this a New Year's resolution. But as we start off a new year, I do want to challenge us to nurture the habit of Bible reading. Some of you, many of you, I believe, already are faithful in Bible reading, and that's awesome. Some of you likely are not. And I just think, wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be amazing if, as a church family, if we could all get on the same page reading the Bible together in 2020, listening to God's Word together, 
supporting and encouraging one another on the journey through Scripture. What a great way to start the year. So for the next few Sundays, I'm going to be preaching on the Bible. That's the name of the series. And every Sunday I preach from the Bible. But for the next few weeks, we're going to preach about the Bible. Uh, why we should read it. Why we can trust it. How to read it. What it's about. What's the, what's the big story. And so on and so on. And in addition to that, starting next Sunday, we are going to begin a church-wide, year-long Bible reading plan. All right? So I'm going to talk more about that at the end of the message. And, I'm, and like I said, next week... We're going to have all the details, and we'll have that available for you. Um, but this morning, I want us to start by answering this question, and that is this. Why should I read the Bible? Why, why should I read the Bible? And the title of the message is Binge-worthy. Binge-worthy. What is that? What's that about? Well, the, it's the, the new thing these days is to binge-watch TV shows on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever you have. And if something is really good and it really sucks us in. We might devote a couple of days or a whole weekend to watching the entire series all at once. And we call those shows binge-worthy. And I'd like us to consider this morning that if you think some shows on Netflix are binge-worthy, how much more binge-worthy is the Word of God? I want us to get obsessed with the Bible. I want us to get to the point where we go, yeah, you know, I could stream the entire season of Stranger Things, but I can't get enough of Second Thessalonians. <laughs> so, what makes the Bible binge-worthy? Isn't it just an outdated, out-of-touch book with, out of t you know, com completely irrelevant to modern society? How could something written thousands of years ago in a totally different culture have any relevance to my life at all today? And besides, I'm busy. You know, I got all these demands on my life. I don't really have time to sit and read anything, let alone this boring old book. Why should I devote time to reading the Bible? So let's answer that question to start. And we're going to frame it this way. Six reasons you should read the Bible. So if you're taking notes, here we go. Six reasons you should read the Bible. And I, and I need to say as well that some of what I'm going to share this morning is based on a talk uh, from uh, Dr. Bruce Fawcett, who is the president of uh, Crandall University. And a few years ago at Oasis, he spoke on this, on the importance of Bible reading. And, uh, and it really struck me at that time, and I made a lot of notes. And, uh, and so some of what I have this morning comes from his thoughts as well. Number one, the num first of all, six reasons why you should read the Bible. Number one, because it is God's very word. Uh, our key uh, scripture this morning is 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says... All Scripture, that means Old Testament, New Testament, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So first of all, <clears throat> this, these, the Scriptures, the Bible is God's very word. It says that it's breathed out by God. Now, what does that 
mean exactly? Does it mean that God breathed out and then the Bible came into existence? No, no, it doesn't mean that. The Bible, and we will look at this, I'm sure, in a future message through this series, but the Bible came about over a period of hundreds and hundreds of years with, I think, about 40 different authors uh, and, and from a whole variety of backgrounds and perspectives. So it was written by human beings. Uh, but it wasn't just written by human beings, and that's what this is suggesting. In some mysterious sense that nobody can really truly agree on, and no one really understands fully, God literally inspired these human authors. He, he carried them along in some way as they wrote and gave them the words to write so that the very words that they penned are the very words of God. So what we have here is something entirely different than every other book or collection of books ever written. Because the Bible isn't really just a book, it's more like a library of books. This is different than us. It's a letter to us. It's like a love letter to us from the God who created everything and knows everything there is to know. That's kind of a big deal. It's the very words of Almighty God. So, you know, probably wouldn't hurt to give it a read. Might be something kind of important. It's God's very word. That alone. I mean, we should be, we have to go home now. And, you know, see you later. Go have lunch. That's enough. But yet there's more. Yet there's more. Why else? Number two, it is profitable. It says in the scripture we read that all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable. It's profitable. Some of you are in business and you understand the importance of making a profit. And you need to understand that if you devote time to reading the scripture, you are not going to lose anything as a result of that. All you do is make a small investment of time every day. Five minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour at the most. You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a, a, whole, a whole dedicate your life to this thing. It's just take a little bit of time every day and you reap disproportionately huge benefits. The cost is little. The return is huge. It makes good sense. Reading the Bible is profitable. What's it profitable for? Well, that's number three. It's a textbook for godly living. Let me read again in 2 Timothy. It gives us some details there as to what it's good for, what it's profitable for. It's profitable for, uh, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Romans 15, verse 4, Paul writes, he says, For whatever was written in former days, written in the scriptures, was written for our instruction. It's a textbook for godly living. It's an, it's an instruction manual. It teaches us, it instructs us, and trains us in righteousness or in right living. It equips us with the tools and the knowledge that we need to do good works that honor God. It also, it also reproofs and corrects us. Go back a slide. We're not quite there yet to Hebrews. It also reproofs and corrects us. I love, I think I love that aspect of the Word of God. Uh, I love it, but it's painful at times, isn't it? Almost every time that I come to the Scriptures, and that I am reminded 
in some way of my weakness. I'm reminded in some way of my imperfection, of my inability to live up to God's holiness and of my need for God's grace even more. The Bible has that effect on people. It convicts you. It does. Uh, and, and now into that verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's not just an old, dusty textbook from centuries ago. It is alive and active. There's something special about it. There is something mystical about the word of God. And it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's a textbook for godly living, or you might say a user's manual for life, or a compass, or a roadmap, or whatever analogy you want to use to living in a way that pleases the Lord. And sometimes it hurts, but man, it's good. So Psalm 119 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's a textbook for godly living. All right, number four. Moving right along. It fuels us for the journey. One thing I do every night before I go to sleep is I plug in my phone. You maybe do that too. I do that so that it will be fully charged when I head out the next day or the next, the next morning. I, you know, I give it a good charge and usually lasts me the entire day unless I start binge-watching something on my phone or something and then it's going to die early. But um, hopefully, you know, it lasts me all day. Reading the Bible gives us similarly that charge that we need to sustain our spiritual strength each day. It fuels us for the journey. Back to Romans 15 verse 4 where Paul said, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Then he says that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The encouragement of the scriptures, the endurance that we receive. The Bible provides us with both of these things, encouragement and endurance. And it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get exhausted and feel like throwing in the towel. I get that. But the scripture provides us, the scriptures provide us with a constant source of encouragement. They uplift, they inspire, they give us the strength to endure the temptations and frustrations that we face daily. Number five. The Bible is a weapon against evil. Now some people, when they hear that, they think, ah yes, I can use the scriptures to beat people over the head. Or I can go on Facebook and quote verses to people that I don't agree with and use it as a weapon against people. That's not what I mean. That's not what we mean when we talk about the Bible being a weapon against evil. Our enemy is Satan. And Ephesians 6 says this, or Ephesians 6 lists the armor of God. And one of the pieces of the armor of God as we take our stand against the devil is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Interestingly, the only offensive weapon in the collection of armor. The rest is defensive, but the one weapon that is used as an offensive piece of the armor is the Word of God. It is a tool to battle against our enemy, Satan. And when we know the word, when we memorize it, when we write it on our hearts, it becomes an armament against the devil, against his lies and against his temptations and against the, the 
the foolishness and discouragement that he tries to feed into our brains. But when we have the scriptures there, we can fight against that with truth in the face of the father of lies. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, you remember this scene, at the beginning of his ministry, he goes out for 40 days into the desert. How does he fight off the devil? The devil throws things at him and tries to tempt him with all these things. And what does he do? How does he, how does he fight back? He fights back with Scripture. He knew the Word of God. He had it memorized. Remember last Sunday we talked about the boy Jesus in the temple. Even at 12 years old, when no parents around, he went and studied the Word of God with the rabbis. He loved the Bible, and he knew it. And it empowered him to take a stand against the devil. We need the Bible as a weapon in our armor. <clears throat> and number six, it contains the truth which leads to eternal life. How else would we know how to be saved, how to have eternal life, if not for God's word? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Bible points us to Jesus and our need for him. If we go back to 2 Timothy and chapter 3, and we go a verse before verse 16, it says this, and How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's the scriptures which make us wise, which open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to understand and receive the salvation that we have available to us through Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter, he writes, Peter writes, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through what? Through the living, there's that word again, the living word, and abiding word of God. It's through the, through the word of God that we receive the knowledge of salvation. So the, I think one of the best things about the Bible is that it can change your life and change your eternity. Somebody once said, next slide, other books were given for our information. The Bible was given for our transformation. So let me sum that up. Why read the Bible? Because it is God's very word. Because it is profitable. Because it's a textbook for godly living. Because it fuels us for the journey. Because it's a weapon against the devil. And it contains the truth which leads to eternal life. And I'm sure that there are more things that I didn't even mention in that list. I'm sure you could, we could brains, we could whiteboard a whole couple of pages of, of uh, reasons why the Bible is so worthy of our time and attention. It is absolutely invaluable to us. Now, here is the problem. That's the good part. It's wonderful. It's great. The Bible's so good. Here's, here's the problem. The problem is we don't read it. We don't. Now, some of you do, but the reality is a lot of us don't. We have statistics on this. In uh, 2013, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada conducted a study called the Canadian Bible Engagement Study. And what they found was that only 14% of Canadian Christians is people who say they are Christians, which now that in and of itself is 
A lot of people say they're Christians, and whether or not they're really Christians, that's another question. But 14% of people in Canada who identify as Christian, only 14% of them, read their Bible at least once a week. That's only about one in seven Canadian Christians who say that about once a week they open up the Bible. And that has gone down. They did this survey uh, in 1996. And in 1996, it was 28% of Canadian Christians who said they read the Bible at least once a week. And now it's only 14%. Interesting as well, the survey shows that there's no difference between older and younger Christians. So you might think that it's the young people who aren't reading their Bibles, but the old people are still doing it. And no, it's, there's no difference at all. Age doesn't make a difference. Um, some other things they found, just 23%, one in four roughly, Canadian Christians believe the Bible is relevant to modern life. That's scary. And again, Christian can mean a lot of things, so we've got to take that with a grain of salt. Another stat, not on the screen here, is that 45% of Canadian Christians, 45% say they never read the Bible, ever. So almost half, basically half of Canadian Christians say they never read the Bible. Now, you think, well, that's, that's other parts of Canada. That's B.C., where they're all liberal out there, you know? Uh, that, that's not us in Atlantic Canada. Well, Bruce, uh, Bruce Fawcett and his team did a survey in Atlantic Canada. They surveyed Tidal Impact youth. And the, the Tidal Impact youth are, um, you know, are some of our strongest young people in our churches in Atlantic Canada. These are our future leaders uh, these, are, these are the ones who we are counting on to carry the torch for the next generation. And Bible reading amongst them, they've been doing this survey for a number of years. I hope they do it again, actually, because it's been uh, 11 years since they last did it. But they've been surveying Title Impact Youth on their Bible reading. And you can see that the percentages there are not good either. About half, 47%, again, matching that, that national statistic, occasionally or never read the Bible. Uh, in 2002, that was at only 35%. So you can see it's, it is, the trend is not good. It's getting worse. Um, anyway, I don't want to beat that to death. I'm not gonna, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this morning uh, from you on your faithfulness in Scripture reading. I started a little survey on Facebook, uh, and a few people, and I thought it was anonymous, and a few people answered it, and then I saw, oh, it's not anonymous. So then I just deleted it, because I didn't want to em embarrass anybody. Um, but it would be interesting to know, to do a survey here to find out how we are with our Bible reading. But you know what? We're going to put that behind us, because it's a new year, and we're going to think about the positive, right? So, but, but the sad reality is that we have this treasure of incomparable worth at our fingertips, the very word of Almighty God, and yet... We simply do not read it. It's like that old classic Heritage Minute. And I don't see Shannon here this morning, but we were quoting Heritage Minutes the other day. You like those Heritage I love Heritage Minutes. You guys remember some of these, right? Basketball and Superman and all these ones. And uh, one of them is the teacher in the one-room schoolhouse. And she, tries, she says, it's the, I'm teaching your children to read the Bible. And then one of the men says, Ah, oh, Mr. Clarence, why don't you just read it then? Mm-hmm. And I say the same thing to you. Ah, Emmanuel Baptist Church, why don't you just read it then? 
Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. I'm here all week, folks. Uh, a few years ago, my brother got married, and he got married at the Oak Island Inn, which is not on Oak Island, but it's just across the water from Oak Island, and you can look out and see the island. There's a picture of Oak Island on the screen. And, uh, and uh, Oak Island is beautiful, beautiful part of the province. There's a TV show, as you know, uh, called, probably you know, called The Curse of Oak Island. Anybody watch this show, The Curse of Oak Island? We've got a few of you. I know Neil does. He tells me all about it when we walk in the mornings. Um, you know, I, I've told people before, I think the only treasure on Oak Island is the TV show, right? They're making a lot of money um, from that show. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, imagine that they do eventually, in a couple of years or something, discover a treasure chest on Oak Island. They find it. They, the money pit is true, and they find, they bring up, and they bring up this amazing treasure, and all the cameras are there, and the world is watching, and it's like the biggest news in the world. They have finally found treasure on Oak Island, and they bring up the box, and they look at the box, and they go, we did it! Everybody can go home now. The end of the story. And they never open the box! Wouldn't that be the most ridiculous thing ever? Well, guess what? It's... We do the exact same thing, don't we, with the Bible. We have this incredible treasure chest. We have it in our own language even, praise God. We have it in multiple versions of English. We have it in easy to understand English. We have it in grade five English. We, it's, it's wonderful. We've got it. We even have it in, in, in nice imitation leather, and sometimes we even have our names on the front, and um, we, we have it on our phones. We can take it with us anywhere we want. But even with all of that accessibility, not many of us actually crack open the lid of the treasure to see what's inside all that often. And so we've got to change these numbers. The Bible is too good to not read. The treasure is too valuable not to open it. We've got to reverse the trend and become avid readers of Scripture. Amen? Amen. Amen. So our call to action for 2020 is that we are going to launch a Bible reading plan. And this will, like I said, start next Sunday. Uh, some of you already read the Bible consistently, and that's great. And if what you're doing is working and you don't want to mess with it, then just keep trucking. But if you want to add a little bit of Bible reading to what you're already doing, then, then you, can, you can start doing this. Or if you want to shift in from what you're currently doing to our church-wide our church plan, you could also do that. That's fine. But really, for some of you, you may not be consistently reading the Bible at the moment, or maybe not at all. And this plan, hopefully, will give you some motivation, some direction, and also some accountability. Um, because what we're also going to do is not only is this going to be a year-long plan uh, and that we're all going to be doing together, but hopefully we will do this sort of in community. And what I hope to do is to start a Facebook group. And not everyone's on Facebook, but for those of you who are, I'm going to start a Facebook group, and every day in this group there will be posted that, the reading for that day and the opportunity for us to discuss the Word of God together in an online forum, which I think is kind of a cool, a cool thing. We can take advantage of the technology we have and do that. Um, 
share resources, share study ideas, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I know that that's really helpful for those of us who struggle with self-discipline, and I'm one of those people who struggle with self-discipline. So having that community aspect is, is helpful. And if you're not on Facebook, I encourage you to find another way to do this with other people. Maybe, um, you know, you've got a, a friend that you can email, and, and, or your small group can track, track with one another through it, or do it with your spouse, that sort of thing. Um, if you're not already in the habit of Bible reading, uh, trying to do it alone will not likely result in success. And I can tell you personally for many years of failed attempts at New Year's resolutions. Uh, so that's going to start next Sunday. As I said, it's going to be a year-long Bible reading plan. It's not going to, it's, we're not going to try to do the whole Bible in a year uh, because I have tried to do that in the past and I immediately fail when I try to do that because for me anyway, maybe it's not for you, but for me it's a lot. It's too much in, in, a, in, a, in a single day. Um, and I get behind and I get discouraged and I give up. And so we're not going to try to do that. Doesn't matter. We're not, that's not the point. The point, <clears throat> the point is to really take in the word in a meaningful way. And so uh, you'll see next week what the plan looks like. I'm still trying to figure it out myself exactly. Um, so uh, we're going to make sure by next Sunday as well that we have Bibles available for you. So if you don't have a good Bible of your own, we're going to make sure that we have some available for you to take. All right, so let's, let's conclude. If you haven't read your Bible in a while, it's time to blow the dust off. I believe that the living and active Word of God can truly have a life-changing effect on us and our church if we will commit to reading it faithfully. So are you up for it? Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's try that again. Are you up for it? Yeah, all right. Yes. All right, good. So next week, next week we're going to talk about why we can trust the Bible, why we, we know it's reliable and, uh, and true, trustworthy. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord, for your living and active and powerful word word that you've given to us lord we we are so thankful we have a treasure uh lord we pray god that you would you would give us a deeper love a greater a greater passion for your word than what we currently have and and we pray father for success in this bible reading plan god that we as a church would would fall in love with your word and grow together as we study your word together so help us lord we need your help it's there's a lot of things that we want to do in life that we never get around to doing because we lack self-discipline and so lord we ask god for your holy spirit uh, to strengthen us and empower us to to be disciplined to be able to do this so we we thank you god and we pray that your word would come alive to us in fresh ways in exciting ways god that it in, indeed would fuel, fuel us for the journey and and, and be our textbook for living. God, that our worldview would be shaped not by what we read online or what we, what we hear on the radio or the TV, but our worldview would be shaped by your word, God. That's what matters. And that is what is true. And that is what is good. And we thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. 
May he be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. Amen.